Hashtag Avatar the Last Bear Bearbender. <laughs> That's gonna that would be a weird show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a recording. Okay. Hashtag Avatar the Last Airbender, hashtag podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Avatar, the podcast. We are your hosts, Booster Greg and Acorn Bandit. Hi. This episode, we'll be talking about Chapter 11, The Great Divide, or as we like to call it, Filler. Filler. Before we jump into the summary of the episode, we got a new review and we got a mention on Twitter. So I just want to go ahead and, and just read those for you, if you kind folk out there. Yes. The first one comes from Glacier Freeze, and the title is Spoilers. And then Glacier Freeze goes on to say, no, not really. Just can't wait for you to get to the episodes Puppet Master and Southern Raiders. Great podcast. That's great. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. I love it. It's awesome. I cannot agree with you more. I, I the don't, Puppet Master yeah. and the Southern Raiders are some of my favorite episodes. I cannot wait either. I don't remember those episodes, so I'm very excited to jump into them. But to be fair, I remember bits and pieces of every episode and never full episodes. So it's always like a new experience yeah. for me. I'm so so happy. And then our Twitter mention comes from Rick Mason, who writes, so excited to have found this podcast after just finishing my rewatch of Avatar a few days ago. Looking forward to revisiting each episode again with them. Hashtag Avatar The Last Airbender, hashtag podcast. Rick, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rick. We're so happy that you found us too. With all that being said, let's jump right in to the episode summary for The Great Divide. This episode was written by John O'Brien and directed by Giancarlo Fulpi. We begin this episode with a little bit of foreshadowing as Katara and Sokka are arguing over the quote-unquote best way to set up their campsite. Katara criticizes Sokka's decision to not use a tarp on the tent in case it rains, to which Sokka agrees that ordinarily his sister would be right, but seeing how they are in the dry season, she is not. Also, the tarp makes an excellent blanket. When it becomes apparent that Sokka doesn't want to put up the tarp because it would be wasted effort, he shifts the attention to the firewood that Katara collected which is just pretty much a small bundle of sticks. The argument erupts and the quote-unquote firewood is thrown as the tent is dismantled when Aang walks up with food. Aang manages to quickly diffuse the argument by suggesting that the two switch jobs. Settling on this decision, and I want to emphasize settling because it wasn't just a <laughs> great idea, Aang. It was like a fine, whatever. Aang boasts about his ability to solve problems while Momo and Appa fight over a melon. Aang splits the melon in two pieces, with Momo getting a much smaller piece, to which Aang points out that this is only fair, as the flying bison has five stomachs. I do want to make note that if we're taking in normal anatomy situations from real world, the number of stomachs that you have doesn't mean you should eat more food. So like cows... Really? So okay. what, what I was looking up is, so this is what I found, just like cows and elk, bison have four stomachs, so... Appa just has an extra one for some reason. Maybe it's, that's the air. That's where the air goes. <laughs> that's where the air stays. That's where the air stays. While you may think this means that a bison can eat four times as much as animals with one stomach, that is not the case. Their four-chambered 
ruminant digestive system allows for the absorption of cellulose, a fibrous plant material that is hard to break down. With this ability to digest cellulose and their selective grazing habits, one of the bison's greatest influences to the prairie ecosystem is based on their foraging ecology. So it helps them with cellulose consumption, not more meat or more other things. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because I I wanted to say that the multiple stomachs concept wasn't more space to fit more food. It was, it's a series of digestive system. Well, it's a series of stomachs that digest a specific part of the food so that it can be digested in its entirety, right? Yes. Yeah. So they don't have to worry too much about like us and like not eating the rind of something or, or, you know, like, yeah, to that kind of same effect. But Ang just thinks he can eat more. So he gives him more, which is not accurate. (laughs) Yeah. No. But to be fair, Alpa's mass is much, much larger. But that's not what Ang says. Like, I I know. I know. I agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. Like he should get more because he's larger and more to him is like, so probably if you think about it, food to mass ratio momo got the better end of the stick on that yes true or the better slice of the melon i should say Uh (laughs) that not my best work so from there we fade into the great divide which is the largest canyon in the entire world katara is overcome with awe and wonder while Sokka doesn't seem too enchanted with the canyon katara asks how her brother can't be fascinated with the majesty of this place and Sokka tries to hurry the gang along as he grabs Appa's reins to fly over the Great Divide. Seemingly out of nowhere, a man dressed in fine robes runs up and pushes past Sokka, yelling that he was there first, so he has dibs on the canyon guide. A fun note about this gentleman that we're finding who we learn to be quite obnoxious. He never really mm-hmm. has a name, uh, but he is voiced by Scott Menville, who voices Robin in Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. Oh my gosh. I thought there was something familiar about his tone. <laughs> when I first heard his voice, I was like, did they just reuse Dante Bosco and tr- just told them to be like goofy? Because they're very similar. It it did. I think I had that moment too. I'm like, who who on this show is doing this guy's voice? It sounds so familiar, but it being Robin makes more sense. The man explains that the Canyon Guide is an earthbender and is the only one who can safely get anyone across the canyon. And that he is next. Like, he's adamant. He is next. I'm next. Don't cut. I'm next. He called shotgun. He called shotgun. Shotgun. Did you hear? Shotgun. shotgun. I'm here he, first. He saw He saw the <laughs> car. He laid eyes on it. He called shotgun. Stop it. You have no right to the front seat. <laughs> Sokka tells the man to calm down and respects the man's claim. The man continues to tell them that his tribe's home was destroyed by the Fire Nation, and they are forced to flee to the capital city of Ba Sing Se. I don't think I can ever say Ba Sing Se normally. It's always just Ba Sing Se. <laughs> and I always think of Ira's song. Yes. Can't oh, wait to get there. I am so excited for that. Just then, a group of people appear through the woods dressed in what appear to be rough leathers and rags. Katara asks if that's his tribe, and the man is disgusted at the thought. He explains that the group approaching is the Zhang tribe. They are thieves and the enemies of his tribe and have been so for a hundred years. The man whistles at the Zhang tribes and, again, proclaims that he has been saving a spot for his own tribe. A robust woman, seemingly the leader of the Zhangs, notes that his tribe isn't there and makes a remark about how their focus on cleanliness must have held them up. Oh yeah, they must have been too busy cleaning under their fingernails or something. 
It was like, <laughs> not that, but it was something to that effect. The two exchanged insults about one another's way of life when some boulders and rocks begin to lift on their own, revealing the canyon guide. He's here. Something that I thought was very interesting, uh, just a quick note, is I, I say tribe a lot, but they never say the name of the fancy tribe until much later in the episode. Oh, yeah. The Ganjin. The Ganjin. They don't actually say Ganjin until way later. And I was yeah, like, like halfway really? through the episode or something. Yeah. And all of the um, things that I've read been like, oh, yeah, the Ganjins and the, the Zhangs. And it's like, no, we don't know that until like, I want to say 15, 10, 15 minutes into the episode. Yeah. It, I guess the difference between them is more visual for the first half of the episode. Yes. Yeah. Because they're distinctly visually much different as we'll come to learn. Mm -hmm. The Canyon Guide is an older looking man with a jovial and friendly appearance. He apologizes for the wait and asks, who's next? The man in the fancy robes doesn't miss a beat and says that he was there first and his tribe is coming. I called shotgun. I'm first. Don't you dare. No one. <laughs> you notice that the man in fancy robes tribe has still not shown up yet. To which the canyon guide says that he can't guide people who aren't there and then proceeds with the Zhang tribe. When the man's tribe eventually shows up seconds later, things only get more complicated. We learn here that the man in the fancy robes is from the Gan Jin tribe. While the Gan Jin and Zhang tribe argue about who gets priority, sick people or old people, which is a big argument to have, by the way, Katara asks if Aang is ready to put his peacemaking skills to the test. Despite Aang's reservations about his possible success, Katara alerts the tribes of Aang's status as the Avatar giving him the chance to propose that they all travel together. Yeah. Um, but this, I have to say, this whole segment where the two tribes are like going at it and insulting each other and saying like, well, maybe you Zhangs wouldn't have so many sick people if you weren't slobs. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you Ganjins weren't so clean, it's, you would, it's you so would, funny. You wouldn't live so long, which is also very <laughs> yeah, dark. Exactly. It's it's pretty dark. Um, I... To like backtrack a little bit, this episode was so unpopular with fans due to its relatively yes. insignificant plot and, you know, didn't really get the, the greatest of ratings. Um, so I initially was one of these fans. I did not like this episode. I was dreading doing this episode because I remember it being strictly a filler episode and not that interesting. Yeah. Um, but this time around, I don't know if it's because I'm older or what, but I thought there was so much more going on in this episode yeah. than I remember. And the biggest thing for me, and it's probably because the state of the world right now and how angry everyone is about everything, but the amount of ad hominem in this episode mm -hmm. is like painful. <laughs> so, I mean, really, like when I took debate in, in college, uh, ad hominem is one of the terms that really stuck with me because I see it happening everywhere where they attack the person instead of trying to argue for the, the problem. And that is all we see here. It's like, yes. let's not address the issue of going across this divide, let's just insult each other and call each other names and uh, question each other's intelligence and all of this stuff. And it's like that. I, I see enough of that online nowadays, honestly. Yeah, for real. And I'll, I want to want to point out too, this is the lowest scoring on IMDb uh, yeah. with a score of 7.1. And usually episodes are in the eight to nine range. Oh, okay. So that's context. There's a, there's a couple that get down to 7.8. Jet was like a 7.8 or 7 point something okay. high sevens, but this is 100% lowest on IMDb 7.1. Um, and yeah. it's even joked about in later episodes, which we'll find. 
Yeah, which does make me want to ask the listeners, if anyone out there is listening to this podcast episode and you love The Great Divide, you think it's one of the best episodes in the show, you will die for this episode, not literally, but you <laughs> like feel very passionately about this episode because it's so good. Yeah, I honestly want to know why, because I feel like I've gained a greater appreciation watching it now. Um, but I don't know if other people share my perspective or if there's other reasons, other redeeming qualities of this episode. So if you love this episode, let us know. Email us at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com. Also, while we're taking a quick moment, I do want to point out the voice of the Zang leader is Roberta Farkas, uh, who's done voice work in Fallout 4, as told by Ginger and EverQuest 2. Oh, okay. As told by Ginger. Oh my gosh, what a throwback. Yeah, yeah right. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Jeez. Yeah, me too. Uh, the voice actor of the Ganjin leader uh, is Rene Auberjonois. I had to really dip into my French for that one. Uh, <laughs> high school who, French. High school French, which you may have heard the voice in Young Justice, Ben 10, Uncharted 3, and Archer. Oh, okay. The Canyon Guide is voiced by Leonard Stone, who, this is this is a fun one. I'm excited about this. Who played Mr. Beauregard in Willy Wonka, who is Violet's father. No. Yep. The really? original Billy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Oh my gosh. He played what? Violet's father. So that was really funny. I, I enjoyed that. That's a fun one. This one like wasn't too great besides uh, Scott for the voice acting. And when it was like, oh yeah, Mr. Beauregard, I was like, ah, so good. There it is. <laughs> there's never an episode where I'm like, oh, I'm always disappointed. There's always that one hidden gem in there, which I really yeah. love. Even in a filler episode like this. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, before we move on, that one part where you were saying, Katara is like, all right, Aang, ready to put your peacemaking skills to the test. I, I couldn't help but think Aang resolving the problems between Katara and Sokka and then between Momo and Appa is, is kind of like being able to solve those word problems in algebra class, but then not being able to calculate tip at a restaurant. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he actually gets to a situation where he needs to resolve it and he's like, uh, I don't know how to do this. Or he tries and then it doesn't work and he's like, okay, um, what next? Well, I think a, a lot of it too is the ramifications is like he's, again, he's not ready to be the avatar. We're in the beginning of his journey. Yeah. So while he can settle smaller disputes amongst his friends and, you know, like not his pets, but let's stick with friends. His animal companions. His animal companions. When it comes to a larger picture that has actual ram ramifications, he kind of like chokes a little bit for lack of a better term yeah he just can't apply the basics of what he knows to the overarching uh problem that is is occurring mm -hmm. so when the tribes immediately disapprove of the idea and angrily exclaims that appa will carry their sick and elderly while the two tribes cross the canyon together the two tribe leaders agree with the sick and elderly of both tribes boarded on appa's back Aang apologizes to Appa for needing to separate for a short while. Sokka notes how serious this feud is, and it might not be a great idea to get involved. Katara notes that the Avatar is meant to be a peacekeeper, and it's part of his job. His job's going to make us cross this whole canyon on foot, isn't it? Sokka sighs. Which is funny, because literally the last episode, Sokka was like, maybe we shouldn't be relying on Appa so much. <laughs> right. And now he's like, I don't want to walk. Hey, guys, I think we should walk. I don't want to walk. That was back with Jet. This is here. Now. <laughs> I hated that. <laughs> I'm taking back that suggestion. Oh, man. 
The canyon guide breaks it to everyone that they need to get rid of all of their food before they can depart, as any extra food will attract quote-unquote dangerous predators that dwell in the canyon. When the Ganjin and Zhang tribes note how ridiculous this is, the canyon guide jokingly calls them all babies for not being able to fast for only 24 hours. I actually really appreciate the amount of realness this yeah. guide brings to the table. Yeah. He's like, he doesn't take any of their crap. No. Yeah. He's like, you can't eat for a day. What the? Come on. Suck it up, babies. And also like, oh, your tribe's not here. Well, I can't lead people who aren't here through the canyon. Yeah. He's very like nice and jovial and pleasant, but he's very strict. Like he's, it's going to be his way or the highway. And that's it. Because yeah. that's how we cross this. Yep. Uh, and he doesn't want to waste time. With only 10 minutes before the start of the journey, both tribes begin to eat what remains of their food so they will not go hungry on the way. Something else I want to make a quick note of as well. I did not trust the canyon guide the first time I watched through this through this episode because he was yeah. like, yeah, get rid of all your food. And like he's very he's too pleasant and too nice. And I was having them get, them get rid of their food. And the way he the way the voice actor delivered the line dangerous predators was very like sarcastic almost mm, so i mm -hmm. thought it was gonna be like, like suspicious a, yeah like i thought it was gonna be like dangerous predators and it was like a i don't know like a like a puppet or like a fake predator that he uses to take everyone's stuff and then leaves them out for dead or something like that yeah you know what that's funny you should mention that because i only now remember thinking the same thing when i first watched this episode yeah and i think it was because it was an episode that was very different from the rest and there was something off about it and it turns out it was just a filler episode and yeah. it was just like a different way of storytelling than we were used to. But yeah. yes, I thought that too. The two tribes, the gang and the guide begin their descent to the canyon floor. The canyon guide creates a perfect bridge along the way and notes to Aang that people want more than fancy earthbending. They want information while on this travel and begins to explain how canyons are formed. So that's another thing that caught me off guard or not off guard. But I was very suspicious of is he makes this like he has this like pre-planned bridge that perfectly like he bends back and forth. And I was like, mm -hmm. that's odd in hindsight. Now it makes sense because he just like plans out where he's going in the safest route. So it's pre, but for me, I was reading it again as like, I don't trust this Canyon guide. Yeah. And then know. he gets rid of the bridge and he's, and they were like, why'd you do that? And he's like, well, there's people pursuing you, right? Can't be too careful. Yeah. Yeah, so again, it was I was like, just like, um, was that a cover? Yeah, are you just trying to get rid of the exit points so people can't run yeah. back to safety? Yes. He says on the travel, experts tell us this canyon was most likely carved into the ground by the earth spirits who are angry at local farmers for not offering them a proper sacrifice. This is, I think, the first and only time that we hear about earth spirits. Yeah, I don't think we hear about those specific spirits until later in Korra. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Anyways, as soon as the entire group is safe and sound in the canyon, the guide breaks the bridge, which we just talked about. The act itself causes a canyon dweller, which looks like, I thought it looked like a direwolf spider hybrid. Like that was the best thing I could think of. <laughs> I could see that they're they're crocodile spiders, oh. which was super interesting to find out because apparently the writer uh, wrote this, and I think when Mike and Brian heard, they're like, "I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't even know if that's possible." And then the concept art team produced these actually terrifying creatures, and they're yeah. like, 
oh nope you got it yeah they're <laughs> That's huge great. too they're way big yeah uh, the canyon dweller grabs the guy and throws him to the ground when Sokka jumps into action with his trusty boomerang. Katara whips into action with her newly learned water whip skill. <laughs> and if you like that one, you'll enjoy that Ang flies into battle. Wow. Knowing. Wowie. Knocking the crawler back into the cracks of the canyon. The aftermath of the battle has left the guide with both of his arms broken, leaving him unable to bend. This means that the group is stuck in the canyon and the only course of action is to travel further into the canyon where more canyon crawlers reside. Can't can't bend anymore with broken arms. It's um, weird, right? I I think Boomy and Tough would would disagree with that. Yeah, that's a that's a weird little uh note as well where he seems to be the only earthbender that we ever see that relies on his arms to bend. Yeah, that's okay. The more we talk about this, the more I remember my thoughts when I first watched this episode, because we are pretty much on the same page Yeah. Uh, with that. I was like, man, that's suspicious. Yeah. It kind of seems like, I mean, I know his arms are broken because I can probably tell, but I was like, he seems to be blowing this out of proportion. Like, is he really yeah. unable to bend? Are they... Is this like a whole setup? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it That's just turns so out it's like an old school just voice acting of just like overacting essentially it's like, oh, my arms, I can't do this. And he, <laughs> he just turns out to be a very dramatic individual, which is what we'll learn later. Yeah. I mean, he is as a yeah. character, but also, yeah. I mean, he could also just be, you know, not that talented at earthbending. Yeah. More of like a, he's proficient, but not talented. That's actually a really good point because there was when they were going, um, into the canyon when the the canyon guide first made that bridge right afterwards there's that little bit of a rock slide and he like did a little bending move like and he like overacted it and even ang was like wow that's really great earth bending but like after re-watching that i don't think that debris was going to hit them i think he just made a big yeah. show out of it i think i think <laughs> it might have like a little bit kind of got him a little, little but i don't think it was to the extent of which he was like acting like he had bent like this whole rock slide. It was like dust in a couple pebbles. Yeah. And also I was expecting him to uh, create a, like uh, an overhang or a ledge out of the cliff that's next to them so that the rock and debris would slide down it. Oh, good and point. And then over the edge. Yeah. That's what I was expecting. That's what I think other earthbenders would do. But instead he guided the rock and debris directly and yeah. made it miss them. So that could also be a nod to his style of bending. Or, you know ineffectiveness in earth bending <laughs> his his i'm gonna get by with my earth bending yeah yes yes the group stops as the path splits into two different routes Sokka comments that he thought the whole point of ditching our food was so we wouldn't have to deal with things like canyon crawlers the ganjin immediately claim that the zhang tribe must have snuck in food and it's all their fault the Zhangs get defensive and throw the blame back at the Ganjan tribe because they are clearly the ones who are too pampered to go a day without food. So they must have been the ones to sneak it in. After even more bickering, you're, you're going to like this one. Ang gets fed up because they're talking about food and, oh decides, <laughs> and decides to split the group in two. Sokka will travel with the Zhang tribe and Katara will go with the Ganjan. As the sun sets, we see how different the two tribes are with something as simple as the use of tarps during the dry season. 
The tough Zhangs believe the tarps to be unnecessary during the dry season, while the cultured Ganjins believe it is better safe than sorry. The same argument we saw earlier in the episode. I don't think Aang could have planned that, but can you imagine if they went with the opposite tribe, Katara with the Zhangs and Sokka with the Ganjin? I think Katara would just have a meltdown. I don't think she could handle (laughs) it. I think she would be very grumpy. Yeah, I I, I think uh, trying not to play favorites, I think Sokka would be probably okay because his tent would probably, because he doesn't care that his tent has a tarp or does not have a tarp. He just doesn't want to, he's lazy. He just doesn't want to put it on. And he makes up yeah. an excuse after the fact to like kind of justify his laziness where Katara is like, no, this is what we need to do just in case. Yeah. So like, she'd probably get into a debate with the Zhang. With the Zhangs. Yeah. And I think, I think Sokka would just be like, yeah, whatever. This is fine. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. This causes Sokka and Katara to relate to their assigned tribes and feel more understood. Once night falls, we also learn that both tribes snuck in food and justify this action by stating that they know that the other tribe did it. So why should they starve? So literally, they're just like, well, they did it. I knew they were going to do it. So we did it because I knew they were going to do it. What a multi-leveled argument. I know. It's it's also just like super immature. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what it reminded me of? What? Assuming the other side smuggled food and taking the whole stance of why should my people go hungry when the sneaky Zhangs are stuffing their faces? Yeah. It reminds me of that one C.S. Lewis quote, which says integrity is doing the right thing, even when no one is watching. Yeah. Also reminded me of uh, two wrongs don't make a right. Yes. Which I think was (laughs) from a couple episodes back. So we also learn how both tribes believe the feud started between the Ganjin and the Zhangs. And we learn that from each other's perspective. So this is going to be a little bit out of order, but I thought just for the sake of simplicity, I would read you what the, and and just like the better comparison back to back, I would read you what the Ganjin say and what the Zhang say. Okay. Because there is some stuff that like happens like in between, but like ultimately this is, this is the meat and potatoes of the filler episode essentially right here. (laughs) The Ganjin say, the patriarch of our tribe, Jin Wei, uh, was an earthbender warrior who was assigned an important duty, transporting our sacred orb from the Great Eastern Gate to the Great Western Gate. Taking the orb from east to the west represents the sun's rising and setting. It was our tribe's ancient redemption ritual. But as he approached the gate, Jin Wei was attacked by one of the Zhang, a vermin named Wei Jin who looked at the orb with envy. That coward Wei Jin knocked Jin Wei to the ground and stole our sacred orb. Our people have never forgotten. You can never trust a Zhang. And then Katara makes mean eyebrows. Yes, yes. At the other camp. And then we see the other camp and the other camp is like, oh, we got food too. And Sokka's like, I don't care. Just give me food. Because I remember (laughs) Katara's like, you shouldn't have food. And like, yeah, well, that's fine. They did it. And then Sokka's like, I don't care. You got food. (laughs) <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, I do also want to point out that Jin Wei and Wei Jin are just the same name, just like reversed. Yeah. Which never pans out to anything, which I have thoughts on, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Okay, good. Because we got to learn what the Zhang say. So the Zhang tell the story a little bit differently. They say, our forefather, Wei Jin, was leaving the western gate of our village when he saw a figure in the distance. 
It was a man from the Ganjin tribe, Jin Wei, collapsed on the ground. Noble Wei Jin stopped to help him. Jin Wei was transporting a sacred orb, a very powerful relic used in his tribe's redemption ritual. Wei Jin tried to tend to the man's wounds, but Jin Wei insisted the orb was more important and asked him to take it back to his tribe. Kind Wei Jin promised to send help for the man as soon as he could, but as Wei Jin crossed the border to return the orb into Ganjin territory, he was arrested. Instead of thanking him for his kind and selfless deed, they sentenced him to 20 long years in prison. We Zhangs will never forget that injustice. So we have two very different stories of similar events going on, mm-hmm. which started over 100 years, this feud. And um, I like how both of the stories are animated differently. Yes, the visual styles, the Ganjin is definitely a more polished and good animation style mm-hmm. where the Zhangs are just like more well-rounded. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whereas the Zhangs is definitely more like uh, angular, angular and sharp. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the coloring style is different. And even like the, the color schemes of Wei Jin and Jin Wei uh, all are altered slightly between the two stories. Right. Uh, softer and then more stark. Yeah. And, and the, the I think it was the color of, I think it was uh, Wei Jin's eyes are different between the two different stories. Oh, I didn't see that. It's very solid. Because in um, Gan Jin, his eyes are super, like his pupils are super small. So you can't really see. Uh-huh. Or not his pupils, his irises are super small or whatever. But like, and it's a, it's more, it makes him seem more menacing, but it is a different color than in the Zhang's tribe yeah. uh, story. Ang spends the night with Momo and the guide away from the tribes. When Ang sadly states that getting the two factions to cooperate is virtually impossible and that the most important issue before them is escaping the canyon, the guide wonders if the two problems are connected. The next day, the two tribes reunite and reach the end of the canyon. When Ang asks Katara and Sokka if the tribes might work together at all, the siblings begin to argue, both siding with their assigned tribe. And it's actually like Katara is almost disgusted at the Zhangs, like the same level as the uh, Ganjins are, which I found very interesting. I I want to make a note about Katara and Sokka getting sucked into this rivalry. Yes. It's, it's almost like a cautionary tale for our age of misinformation and how, uh, like to quote the guide, it's difficult and sometimes lonely to be impartial and to seek the truth. But I think it's, it may be harder, but it's ultimately more necessary if you actually want to get to the heart of any problem. Otherwise, you're just in this us versus them argument where neither side wants to concede or to cooperate or to like fix the problem. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it was I mean, we even see Katara and Sokka arguing back and forth with the tribe they have spent the time with. It's, it's also interesting, too, like they had a very similar problem in Jet where it's, there's two sides to the story. There's Sokka's and there's Jet's, but they yeah. but she's only quick to believe one side, which was Jet's in that example. And then this is the same situation. You have two different stories, the Ganjin and the Zhangs, and she, they're each both quick to uh, jump on the side of their assigned tribe because they happen yeah. to like have a, a similar outlook on life or point of view or perspective on things, mm-hmm. which yeah. is very interesting. So they haven't really learned a lesson from the last time from Jet, essentially. <laughs> 
Yeah, which I think is also kind of linked to life, you know, like sometimes it, it takes us a while to learn something, but yeah. it's it's worth it in the end because it helps us grow being able to see a different side or a oh, different sure. perspective from a, another group of people. Yeah. And not to get too preachy, but that's also why like social media can be quite dangerous is because oh, it's yes. generally like only stuff you agree with because it's going based off of your likes and your interaction with posts and stuff like that. So eventually you get to the point where you only see stuff that you agree with. And that is super dangerous for like any way of thinking or rational way of thinking. You, there are two sides to every coin. There are different sides to every argument. It's the best to kind of take in both sides and try to figure out where the truth lies and where um, maybe some details might be embellished or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Find common ground and yeah. understand that the other side is just another group of people with differing views. But, you know, they live a life. They want to be happy. You know, yep. they all the things that you want out of life. Yep. It's the same for them. Yep. And I think it's also very interesting that Aang is recognizing that now. Mm -hmm. Like we've gone we've gone a lot of episodes now where and this is another one of, of Bumi's teachings, right? Not everything is as appear as it appears to be maybe finding like an alternate take on how to um, solve an issue is the way to go. So he's, yeah, he's right. starting to like in the scene where he's hanging out at night with Momo and the guide, he's starting to really think about things and how to settle this. And we haven't really seen him think a lot before. He's just always been kind of quick on his action or relying on the avatar state. Right. Yeah. Back to the story. So that everyone's arguing, right? And cuts the, or everyone, Katara and Sokka are arguing and cuts the argument short and tells that the siblings that he needs both tribes together at the base of the Canyon wall. Once everyone is gathered and bickering about how to best climb over the wall, Aang explodes in frustration and yells that harsh words won't solve problems. Action will, which is something that he said earlier in the episode. Mm -hmm. The tribe leaders misinterpret the saying and unsheath their swords and engage in a <laughs> duel to the death, which was just like, ah, geez, carefully choose yeah. your words next time, pal. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, wait, that's not what I meant. Yeah. Aang interrupts the duel by unleashing a large gust of air separating both sides and revealing that both sides actually smuggled in food, not just one or the other. The newly mm. revealed food attracts the attention of several nearby canyon crawlers. Sokka, and by several, I mean like way more than several. It's like... <laughs> like a dozen. Yeah, like a dozen. Sokka and Katara agree to put their differences aside as Team Avatar jumps into action. Despite all their best efforts... They cannot seem to defeat the canyon crawlers. Aang notices that some of the crawlers only want to eat. And this gives Aang an idea. The Avatar instructs everyone to get the attention of a crawler by throwing a piece of food at their face and then somehow tricking them or trapping them into putting a sack over the muzzle of the crawler. And then Aang puts several food items into a sack and waves it around, getting the attention of the nearby crawler. So essentially... Food thrown at crawler face, sack as muzzle slash reins for canyon crawler, <laughs> yeah. jump on back of canyon crawler, follow Aang up the walls. Another example of thinking outside of the box. Boomy's legacy. <laughs> He's really starting to like embrace this now. And instead of yeah. just like being, I don't know, lucky for lack of a better term, like letting the answer fall into his lap and figuring out a resolution mm -hmm. right then and there, he actually has to like think about what he has to do. And just try to get everyone out to safety. Right. Using critical thinking to yes. think his way through a problem. Yes. Um, 
Also, when he, (laughs) small detail, when he throws that rock at one of the canyon crawlers, did you see that it tries to eat it? It's like. I See, I thought that was food. I thought it was like a rice patty or something that he threw at his face. No, I think it was a rock. And so the canyon crawler is like, nom, 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 and then like spits it out. (laughs) Yeah. So everyone gets on the back of a canyon crawler. They crawl up the wall with the avatar kind of at the forefront. There was a continuity error that I found. Oh, uh, it's super minor. It doesn't really matter. When Ang is like, follow me, guys, it looks like he's on a ledge of something. Mm. And when it zooms out and it, the, you see like the not so great animated canyon crawlers like look like ants walking up the canyon wall. The ledge is all the way to the left and the, he couldn't have been on a ledge. When he oh, said that oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like super minor. And like I'm looking way too much into it. But I was just like, eh. like every time I watched that, that got to me. Whoopsie. Um, especially when I was writing like the summary for this, because like, is he on a ledge or not? Like, come on, guys, make up your mind. <laughs> right. So everyone's safe and out of danger. The two tribes complement each other's ability to take on the crawlers, but then pick up their feud right where they left it off. So essentially they're just like, hey, I didn't know. Zhangs were so good in a pinch and the Ganjin were like, hey, I didn't know you guys were so good at climbing or whatever. And we're like, progress. Yeah. Yes. And then they were just like, too bad we have to fight to the death still and you're still scum. <laughs> oh, no, just kidding. Too bad Wei Jin really screwed over Jin Wei or vice versa. I honestly don't remember because their names are so interchangeable in my brain right now. <laughs> Upon hearing Jin Wei and Wei Jin, Ang's ears kind of perks up and he goes, oh, wait, I knew those guys. You, I might not look it, but like I'm 112 years old and this is kind of what happened. So this is exactly how Aang kind of uh, retells the story. First of all, Jin Wei and Wei Jin weren't enemies. They were brothers, twins, in fact, and they were eight. And most importantly, they were just playing a game. The sacred orb from the legend. That was a ball. And the eastern and western gates were the goalposts. Jin Wei had the ball and was running towards the goal when he fell and fumbled it. Wei Jin didn't steal the ball. He picked it up and started running it towards the other goal, but he stepped out of bounds. So the official put him in the penalty box. By the way, quick aside, the official is a panda in a little hat. Super, super cute. <laughs> super cute. Super cute. Not for 20 long years, but for two short minutes. There was no stealing and no putting anyone in prison. It was just a gang. A gang? It was just a game. Convinced by Ang's tale, the tribes uh, the tribes make amends and continue their journey to Ba Sing Se. As one tribe, the canyon guide exclaims that he is going to, as he is sick of the great divide. And I think <laughs> as are most of us at this point. At least I was. I was like, oh my God, this episode. I don't, I don't yes. share that same like, I like this episode now. I was like, uh, I know this has it no effect It was tolerable for me now when before it was intolerable. Okay, fair, fair. Sokka tells Aang how lucky it was that he knew the twins. And Aang goes, you could call it luck or you could call it lying. Uh-oh. <laughs> Aang admits that he made the whole story up and Katara chuckles. That is so wrong. Still hungry, he asks where the egg custard tart is. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the egg custard tart. There's an egg custard tart that he saw on the ground. He's like, oh, man, I really want that. Okay, cool. It was beautiful. I wanted it, was it beautiful. too. So this is one of the few ones that doesn't end with them flying away. They make their way to Appa in order to fly away to continue their journey, mm. which I thought was interesting. So before we get to MVP, before we get to moral and all that stuff, 
there's a perspective thing going on with the three different stories. Obviously, Aang's is lying. Yeah. What do you think actually happened 100 years ago? I've been wondering that. I don't know. It's like, I almost wonder if Aang was right. And even though he made it up, that's actually what happened in some form or fashion. Like maybe they weren't kids. Maybe it was like two different tribes coming together for like the summer games or something. And they played this game and that's what happened. I don't know, but I am curious. Can I tell you what I think? Yes. So I'm going to preface this with there was some research that I did and I haven't read any of the Avatar books. I know you have, but I believe I read somewhere on the Internet that the rivalry goes way further than 100 years back. It's like really 300 years or something like that. It's a very long Mm. rivalry. But I think Jin Wei and Wei Jin are the same person just leading like dual lives. There's no way that like. You could be Jinwei and Wei Jin. Like the names are way too similar to be of two different tribes and not be related or the same person. So I'm wondering mm. if like he if Jinwei, let me just see. Yeah. If Jinwei is just like living and he feels kind of repressed as like this prim and proper culture and he's just not about it, but he also doesn't want to give it all up. So then he like changes his clothes and goes over to the Zhangs and he just reverses his name. So Oh my God. So I'm wondering if he was doing this big ritual and then he like was going into Zhang territory. So he changed his clothes. And then when he was going, leaving the territory, he just forgot to change out of them. And then when he was seen by the Ganjin, they obviously don't look at a person for their, for their features or as a person, they look at the clothes and the material stuff. So they see like right, different clothes to place them because they do look very similar in terms of um, build. Like they're both kind of skinny, mm-hmm. kind of tall, stuff like that. So I, I think in my head, Canon, they're the same person. Just he just jumps from tribe to tribe based on what he wants to do. That is out there, but I I love it. That, that's, I that's accept that in goes. my head, Canon. Considering we don't get any other reference of these guys ever again, right? So. Yeah, and I mean, you know, kind of on the topic of it being not like a full blown episode. Yeah, I didn't see very much written about it at all. I saw one yeah. note about the crocodile spiders and the creation of them and that's kind of it so i think we're gonna have to uh write our own story <laughs> our, for our own happened. trivia for this <laughs> yeah <laughs> well if anyone if anyone knows any other information uh please let us know we didn't see anything but that doesn't mean that it's not out there yes for sure uh i do have an, another quick little minor trivia this is the first episode in the series to not be seen again in previously on avatar they never talk yeah. about this because it doesn't matter. There's, there's no need to. For good reason. Yes. Can you imagine previously on Avatar? Anyone seen that egg custard? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. This The episode title, The Great Divide, not only refers to the geographical feature, obviously, but also the great divide that has grown between the two tribes and the literal meaning of Wei Jin's name is the is oh. that I found. So that's pretty interesting. But it's like, if Wei Jin is great divide, is Jin Wei divide great? <laughs> I wonder. Probably not. That's probably just me being <laughs> me. Um, all right. So with all of that being said, and every the whole journey that we went on on this episode, what is your moral of the episode, Acorn? I am going to uh, 
transform Aang's advice into yeah. our moral of the story. And that is harsh words won't solve problems. Cooperation will. Yeah. Uh, I think my moral is that there are more than one use for a tarp in a tent. <laughs> but I, also, I think the the obvious answer is, listen, we had a little bit of a, of a discussion on it. Listen to both sides of the story before you draw any conclusions. Yes, exactly. And then the worst moral you can try, you can get out of that is if you can't get everyone to agree, just lie to them. Yeah, I was I was like, huh. <laughs> get to the end of the episode, I'm like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about Aang just lying <laughs> to fix a problem. Oh, I was also surprised that like Katara wasn't upset about that. Yeah, I feel like she would be like, that's not not just like, oh, that's so wrong. Like that's more of a that's more of a Sokka thing. Right. Almost like a, ooh, you're bad. Yeah. Katara was like, okay, I'm okay with this. And it's like, no, you shouldn't be. Yeah. So that's just another reason to like not ultimately like the episode. Hopefully that's the last time I'll ever need to watch it. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. I have actively skipped over that episode in my previous rewatches of oh, this geez. show. I can see it. Yeah, I can see why. Um, I actually think, if I'm re- remembering this correctly, the first time I watched it, I think this episode made me take a break for a good like week from the show. And I was like, I don't really, I don't know, man. And then I went back and I finished and I like binged all and it was great. But like, I was like that, that almost put like a really sour taste in my mouth. All right. Bad speed bump. Yeah. Who is your MVP? I don't know. I don't think I have one. It's very tough in this episode because like no one really does anything that's like super noteworthy. Or that would like stand out from the rest. Aang lies. Yeah. The guide is like, okay. Katara and Sokka get sucked into the rivalry and fight and don't see the other side's perspective. Yeah. The Zhangs and the Ganjin are just terrible to each other. Yeah. And Appa's not even in the episode. He's flying their sick and elderly across the Great Divide. So it's like, who do we have? The Egg Custard? I think that's your MVP. (laughs) I'll take it. I actually, so I think mine is going to be, I agree with everything you just said, uh, I'm going to say the scout, I think is what he's re- referred to. So like the fancy dressed man who was just like Robin. Yeah. Robin. I think Robin for me is the MVP, <laughs> not only because like if you can vote someone Batman or Batman adjacent, you should probably do that. But there's also the whole, um, how do I want to put it? He didn't back down. He was like, I was here first. This is my job. I have one job and this is it. And I'm doing it and no <laughs> one is getting in front of me. And he stuck to his guns. That's, that's kind of sad that that's the best example of an mvp or 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 i should say he stuck to his ganjins oh no (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah and like maybe appa yeah maybe appa maybe appa because he you know well he went outside of his comfort zone he flew alone yeah he he flew alone across the great divide yeah he was was a good helper he took the sick and the elderly and he waited there patiently so maybe that i don't know this is a really tough one anyways With all that being said, that is going to be all the time that we have for this episode. We'd like to take a moment to thank you for continuing to join us through our discussions and for all the love and support that's been shown throughout the internet. We super appreciate all the reviews, all the emails, all the tweets, like literally everything that you guys send over to us. Uh, And sincerely from the bottom and the tops and the innards and like every part of of our heart. Thank you. And our five stomachs. And our five stomachs, which are now not for extra food as i've learned unfortunately (laughs) but for digesting 
And just a brief reminder again, every five-star written review will be read on the show. I know we say that every episode, but I just want to remind you guys. Uh, and anyone that tweets at us at podcast avatar uh, will also be read aloud. And remember, if you're caught up on every single episode and you're like, gee, I need more terrible puns in my life. I, I need to hear more of these things, maybe with some sound effects. You can join me <laughs> over at twitch.tv forward slash Booster Greg every Monday and Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And all I got is some thoughts, some retweets, and some pins. But so there, you can find me, Acorn, on Twitter at Acorn Bandit and online at joysounds.com. But they're excellent. Excellent. Can't talk. Excellent. But excellent. But they're excellent thoughts and retweets and pins and all egg, of that. Egg custard excellent. <laughs> That's terrible. All right. Next time on Avatar, the podcast. Exactly how did Aang get trapped in the iceberg? And R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what that means to G. (laughs) All this and more next time on Avatar, Avatar, the the podcast. podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. Geek Generation.